The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Presents 
to lay by the manger that night There were diamonds and incense and perfumes In packages fit for a king But for one ragged bird in a small cage Maria had nothing to bring She waited till just before midnight So no one could see her go in And crying she knelt by the manger For her gift was unworthy of him Then a voice spoke to her through the darkness Maria, what brings you to me? If the bird in the cage is your offering Open the door, let me see Though she trembled, she did as he asked her And out of the cage the bird flew So into the rafters on a wing that had healed good as new just then the midnight bells rang out and the little bird started to sing a song that no words could recapture Whose beauty was fit for a king Now Maria felt blessed just to listen To the cascades of notes sweet and long as her offering was lifted to heaven by the very first nightingale song. This is Tom Bodet from Manger 6. We know you've been traveling a lot this holiday season, and you've probably been told there's no room at the end. Well, that's just not the case here at Manger 6. Why, for just 29 drachma, we'll put you up in a warm, comfortable stable with plenty of fresh milk for the newborn. There's even individual stalls for your mules, camels, or whatever you happen to be driving across the desert. And in case unexpected visitors decide to drop in on you, shepherds, wise men, holy ghosts, it's not a problem at Manger 6. There's plenty of frankincense and myrrh to go around. This is Tom Bodette from Manger 6 reminding you, there's always room at this inn. We'll even leave a star out for you.
Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and of course, uh, as uh, we kick off the holiday season, that also means it's time to get out the skis and snowboards and head to the slopes. And uh, some great information is being made available in a new book from National Geographic called A Hundred Slopes. And the author of that book is joining me by phone. Uh, Gordy Megro is uh, is with me. Hi, Gordy. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, Gordy, you know, I, National Geographic is is known for these these amazing photographs, as are included in this book, A Hundred Slopes of a Lifetime. Um, but I wonder, when you were putting, you know, working with Nat Geo and putting this book together, how many of the photographs were pulled from their library and how many had to be shot for the book? Uh, I'm pretty sure that all of these shots were, were taken um, prior to uh, the book coming out. I, I don't think anything was shot originally for it. Um, but there's some amazing photos in here. And as you said, Nat Geo has access to this incredible photo bank oh yeah it's phenomenal i mean they've been around for more than a hundred years and and their photography i I mean the photos the photographers get a lot of credit for taking great photos but nat geo goes to uh, great extremes to do really nice reproductions but let me ask about the selection of the slopes how did you go about picking out a hundred slopes well, I've been uh, writing about skiing for a long time, and uh, I have this incredible network of uh, skiers and snowboarders who I can call upon. So I, I spent I sent probably a hundred uh, plus emails out and made you know another fifty phone calls and tapped my network and and asked them what uh, ski areas and which trails they thought deserved to be in a book like this, and they got back to me with. Uh, you know, hundreds of trails, hundreds of suggestions uh, that I winnowed down into this book, um, you know, sort of trying to uh, hit every every note I could uh, uh, and give a, a really good geographic representation of, of skiing and snowboarding, uh, uh, you know, hitting every region and, and every corner of the world. Well, and that's another thing about Nat Geo is is a lot of times there are these images of places we're likely to never go in our lifetimes. But one of the things that I was curious about, um, some of these things are pretty dramatic. What about proficiency level? Are, Are there recommendations about certain slopes that would be good for beginners and more intermediate um level skiers uh you know people that just occasionally go as opposed to people that you know ski all the time and are really good skiers yeah i broke it down into uh intermediate advanced and expert trails so there are certainly intermediate uh lots of intermediate uh, trails in this book that uh, are accessible to uh, you know, I would say even beginner skiers. There's um, there's trails with very little uh, pitch that um, uh, actually some of some of the cooler trails in this book are some of the intermediate trails with very little pitch, but uh, they go on for a very long way, or they have 
and they have these incredible views and um, on some of them you can stop halfway down the trail and get a delicious meal. Um, there's one in uh, uh, Switzerland, for example, where you can stop along the way and, you know, eat uh, uh, regional food and, um, you know, maybe even have a, a little drink of something. And then uh, you can continue the rest of the way down. But there, there are some really uh, great, you know, really great uh, uh, intermediate, even beginner type trails in this book. What about the difference between skiing and snowboarding? Can can skiers and snowboarders uh, hit the same slopes? For the most part, there's every trail in this book. Um, well, except for the cross country skiing trails, of course, uh, snowboarders would be able to to go on. Except for uh, three ski areas that are in the book: um, Alta. Deer Valley and Mad River Glen, which are the three skiers in the world, I think, that don't allow snowboarding. Um, Gordy, you were born and raised in Vermont. You live in Colorado now. Those are both great places to ski. Um, what are some other places around the U.S. that are that are good for skiing? <clears throat> wow. Well, I. I lived, yeah, I grew up in Vermont um, and, and live in Colorado now, but I've lived in New Mexico and um, uh, spent a lot of time skiing at Taos, which is a great ski area, and that's in the book. Um, I have, uh, I lived in uh, Jackson Hole, Wyoming for uh, eight years, and um, Jackson Hole is, of course, a great place and, and actually has some great cross-country skiing as well, which is in the book. Um I love skiing in Utah because the snow, when it when it's consistent, the snow is some of the best snow you'll ski anywhere in the world. Um, Alta and Snowbird are in the book. Uh, Powder Mountain and Snow Basin are in the book. Um, Deer Valley made the book. Um, so uh, and Park City Resort is also in the book. Those are all great ski areas. Um, California has great skiing, um, and then you guys have a, an incredible mountain. Um, at Mount Bohemia. Um, so there's, there's tons of ski areas all over the world. And, you know, I think everybody can ha can enjoy skiing at, uh, in some way, no matter where they live. Uh, sometimes it, that obviously involves a, a flight, but sometimes it's right in your backyard. Um, um, you know, right in, uh, uh, New England or, or the Midwest or the Rockies. Yeah, it's funny. You don't think of California and New Mexico as being great places to ski, but they do have places that are are great for skiing. Taos is, is I think, one of the great ski areas maybe in the world um, uh, in New Mexico. And, yeah, California, the, the ski areas around Lake Tahoe are, are incredible. Um, and they, you know, they can be they're sort of feast or famine. They get a lot of snow sometimes, and sometimes they're pretty thin. But when it does snow in Lake Tahoe, it's, it's, um, it's spectacular. More about skiing and snowboarding with National Geographic contributor Gordy Magro. Straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Bye from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Jonah Bodie. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yellow. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection.
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom's... More about skiing and snowboarding with National Geographic contributor Gordy Megro straight ahead. What about the the quality of of snow and and real snow versus artificial snow? Is does it make a real big difference? Well, yeah, I mean, artificial snow or man-made snow is is great um when you are uh when you don't have snow. I mean, you you need something to ski on and it can be a little bit it can feel a little bit different. Um, it can get a little bit icier. Um, uh, real snow, uh, you know, when it's fresh, that's when we get to powder ski, and that's uh, a spectacular feeling. It's it's amazing to to feel like you're floating through, floating down a trail. But um, even when that snow gets packed down, uh, yeah, it can feel it can feel a little drier and a little bit uh, uh, more forgiving, I guess. Um, but, uh, I think, you know, it's, (laughs) skiers are lucky and we as skiers and snowboarders are lucky that they were able to come up with something like artificial snowmaking because, uh, uh, it's sometimes it really saves us during the winter. (laughs) Sometimes it allows us, sometimes it's the difference between skiing and not skiing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's that, of course. Um, but let me let me ask you this: Did um, did skiing and and ski resorts take the same hit as everybody else did last year during the the quarantines uh, over COVID? The skier is actually did surprisingly well. Um, they, there were a lot of rules in place all over the country uh, to do it safely or as safely as possible. Um, I know in, uh, Jackson, Wyoming and here in Aspen, Colorado, um, you had to wear masks in lift lines and on gondolas and chairlifts, um, and inside any of the buildings. So actually, I think that people were so hungry to go ski and go do something. Uh, the ski area has, uh, experienced a lot of, uh, traffic and, and actually did, did well, um, almost to the point where they were a little overwhelmed at points. Um, are there changes this year? Um, will some of those protocols still be in place this year, do you think? <clears throat> I think some skiers will keep the same protocols. Um, I think that it's it's going to be uh, a little bit. They're, they're loosening them a little bit at, at some places, Um for example, at, at Jackson Hole Mountain Resort, they they were only filling the the hundred person tram to half capacity last year, and this year it'll be full capacity again. Um, so, I, I think we're going to start seeing things come back to normal a bit. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they make the executive decision at some point to pull that back. I know that here in Colorado, we're already. Um, seeing a lot of uh, uh, higher higher cases of COVID again, so I'm not sure if they're. I'm sure you know the the, the, the ski areas, the the management at these places, they're they do a a pretty good job, um, you know, reacting to what's going on. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we go back to some sort of situation where it's 
social distancing and half capacity and things like that. Is climate change having an impact on um, the quality of ski areas and, and maybe even where ski areas are, are going to be in the future? Yeah, climate change is having a huge impact on on skiing in general. Obviously, like you know, we <clears throat> it just uh, the snow is way more unpredictable than it used to be, um, and um, uh, it's not just uh, it's not just uh, that we're getting less snow. In in some cases, we're getting more snow, which scientists will tell you is a uh, direct effect of climate change. Um, but um, the snow can be more unpredictable, so the, the avalanche. Yeah, right, we're getting are, we're getting more yeah. snow, but in shorter blasts. Yeah, it's. I I can't, I I'm not going to sit here and try to pretend to know what the science is behind that. But, <laughs> um, my under my understanding is that yes, we in some cases we get more snow, in some cases we get less snow, in some cases. You know the seasons seem to be shifting, um, but um, it makes this the, it makes it uh, a harder to manage for a ski area. Of course, um, you started uh, the, Gordy. Got, you started to say yeah. something about um, risks from avalanches. Yeah, the, these ski areas out here have to um, you know be more cognizant of of how the snow is um, the snowpack is being affected by climate change. So, um, you know, the, the, uh, there are more cases of avalanches. Um, and one of the, um, thoughts is that that has to do with climate change. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're getting these warming cycles, um, that, um, make the snow less stable. So, uh, they really have to be on their game as far as, uh, uh, avalanche mitigation goes out out here in the Rockies and California and you know up up in Canada um, and all over the world really they they really have to be um, uh, on top of that uh, stay on top of that and really uh, do a lot of a lot more avalanche mitigation because um, uh, because of cl- well supposedly because of climate change and um, you know I, I think it's you're seeing a lot more of these um, ski indoor ski areas pop up um, in various places around the world. I, I guess that's an answer to, to some of this, but you know, you, you do have this idea that those, those indoor ski areas produce a lot of greenhouse gases. So, um, you know, I, I'm not sure what the solution is other than to be better stewards and, and not, um, uh, produces so so many greenhouse gases that are are causing uh, uh, global warming. As you were, you've written about skiing for a long time. Um, what is there still stuff you can learn? Did you learn things while you were putting together this book? Yeah, I learned a lot about skiing. I, I I'd say that I've ski actually skied at. Um, maybe 20, 25 uh, ski areas uh, in this book. I had to obviously rely on a lot of other experts to help me fill out this list because it would have been hard to hit all these ski areas. But um, as I was uh, 
researching the book, I, I learned a, a ton about some traditions and cult, ski cultures all over the world. Uh, um, I knew nothing about the ski culture in Greece, for example, um, that there's a, a, a quite a vibrant backcountry ski culture there. Um, I learned, uh, you know, that this one man, Emil L.A., was responsible for cutting a lot of these great trails all over the world that we love to ski. Um, so there were <clears throat> there were a lot of things that I learned um, uh, as I was going through this, and I, I think that, you know, even if you are a, a hardcore skier, when you read this book, you will come away learning quite a bit about skiing. Did you end up with some new sites on your bucket list? Yeah, I really want to uh, go ski Gulmarg, India, um, which uh, it, it's this, uh, you know, it's it's one of the highest ski areas in the world, almost 14,000 feet. Um, but, uh, it's also, um, uh, you know, it has this incredible, uh, culture up there, uh, just a very unique, uh, situation, uh, being in Kandahar. And, um, it's also, it also gets in, uh, a ton of snow. Um, and, uh, I think, um, you know, over 500, 500 inches a year and has these wow. big, long slopes that you can, um, powder ski down 35 degrees or so um and and views you know views that can't be matched of k2 and some of the other himalaya mountains so um yeah that's one and then um engelberg engelberg switzerland is another um there's a, a another big long trail almost four thousand vertical feet at, um in engelberg that um uh, is, you know, a lot of the skiers that I spoke to said it's the perfect powder run. And so when they get snow, you head to this one trail called Laub and <clears throat> ski it. And it says you, you, one of the, uh, ski professional skiers I spoke to said, you know, you're, you're skiing down this trail and you're just totally elated. And then you're realizing that it's not stopping. It's just going on forever and ever and ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny is breathing an issue at in higher altitude skiing if you're coming from low altitude you're there's an adjustment um i yeah i i've certainly experienced that where i'm going from <clears throat> you know i lived on i grew up in vermont of course and lived on the east coast for a long time so when i would go out west and ski um, I would always, it would always take a couple days for me to, to get it, to become acclimated and, and sort of feel like I was breathe, breathing easily again. But it's, for most people, it's not that big a deal. You just sort of adjust. You want to drink a lot of water, obviously. What is uphilling? Uh, uphilling is a growing trend in the ski world in which, um, you know, it's it's sort of a, a sister to backcountry skiing, but uh, uphilling is something that you really do at a ski area. Um, a lot of uh, ski areas have uh, uphilling policies now, so you can either go before the lifts open or after the lifts close, or uh, some of them have uh, a designated trails that you wind through as you're going up. And it's it's really, it's just using lightweight, <clears throat> uphill ski equipment and you put a 
what we call a skin on the bottom of the ski and the, the um, heel of the ski releases, the heel of the binding releases. So you can, it's as though you're, you're trekking up the hill on your skis. Um, your skis will stick to the snow so they don't slide backwards but glide forward. So um, sort of like cross-country skiing but going uphill. And um, uh, it's just a, it's a great workout. It's, it's really good for exercise, cardio exercise. But it, then, you, you know, you're paying, obviously, in some cases, you're not paying anything to go skin up the ski area. Some, some ski areas charge a, a very nominal fee, but um, you're skinning up the ski area, and then you get to the top, and um, your skis uh, transform back into a, a downhill uh, a ski setup, <clears throat> and then you're able to, to ski down the ski trails. Speaking of uh, equipment, Gordy, what um, what are things that that people should uh, have and and know about to to be prepared for the season? Well, <clears throat> it really depends on what you're planning on doing, but um, I you obviously. Um, I think the most important piece of equipment that any skier can have is a, is a good pair of boots that fits you properly. So I always recommend that people have their own, their own boots, um, that are, uh, fitted by a boot fitter. And then when you go to these various places, you can always rent skis, which I think is the way to go because, um, you know, you, if you're, Let's say you live in Michigan, you might have one pair of skis for, for some of the um, skier, ski areas that you ski in Michigan, but they're probably not going to be quite right for the ski areas that you ski out west or in Europe or, or um, you know, if you are lucky enough to make it to Japan to ski, um, you want a wider ski. So <clears throat> I always recommend that people go and rent skis where the, when they get to those uh, destinations and um, that when they do that, they're going to have a way better time on those rented skis that are, uh, uh, you know, that, that are there. They rent those skis in those places because they're best for those places. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I wouldn't have thought of that Gordy, but it, that pro plus it probably makes it a little easier traveling when you don't have to carry a pair of skis on the plane. Much, much easier. <laughs> yeah. There's not, Nothing worse than, than traveling with a pair of skis. I, I've done it uh, a lot of my life, but uh, if I have the opportunity to um, to go get a you know get a pair of skis when I get to the the ski area that I'm traveling to, it makes life a lot easier. For people who haven't done a lot of skiing, but but see people skiing, you know, see video of people skiing and think it 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 looks like fun, something that they'd like to get into. Is it expensive comparatively to other things like, I don't know, playing golf? Yeah, I think skiing is, is definitely one of the more expensive sports out there. Um, a lift ticket at uh, a lot of these ski areas is pretty crazy these days. Um, you know, some of them are over $200 for just for a day. Um, but, um, there are some ways around it there. You can buy some of these, um, uh, tickets that, uh, are good at, uh, several different ski areas and cost a little bit less. 
you know, that some of the ski areas have some programs to get into skiing, to get interested in the sport um, that are, that's a little bit cheaper um, and uh, offer you sort of a package deal on rental equipment and um, uh, a lift ticket and uh, sometimes even, you know, like travel, like a, like a bus fare or something. So there are some easier, cheaper ways to get into it, but yeah, I mean it. It is going to be a little bit more expensive than most sports. Um, golf might be, you know, I know that golf golf course fees can be pretty expensive too. But um, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not cheap. You have to sort of be committed, um, and you. I think to make it worthwhile, you want to be on the slopes, you know, twenty days a year if you can. Is is that a kind of an average for? avid skiers to get 20 days a year yeah i i think it ranges i think for those of us who live near ski areas we'll we'll get you know 50 60 70 some people you know claim that they get over 100 days a year on the on the hill um which is amazing i i don't know that i've ever skied 100 days in a year but i've probably come pretty close on some some seasons um uh, I would say for the weekend warrior people who live in cities and um, make it up when they can, I'd say somewhere between you know five, ten, fifteen, somewhere in that range is is probably average. In this uh, in this book that you did with National Geographic, a hundred slopes of a lifetime by uh, Gordy Megro, with um, forward by Lindsey Vaughn. Um, it, it focuses on the world's ultimate ski and snowboard destinations. But do you give any kind of um, tips and, and reviews about uh, equipment and trends in skiing, or is it really destination-driven, this, this particular collection? This is really destination-driven. What I was trying to do with this book is uh, give people an idea of what some of the, uh, you know, great ski areas and great trails are out there in the world um, and sort of inspire people to, to try to go ski some of them. Um, I, yeah, I, I just, you know, I love to ski and, and I, I love, you know, sharing my experiences and sharing my knowledge with people about skiing. Um, and, and I was just hoping with this book to, put together a list that people could look at and say, wow, that looks, that sounds great. I'd love to go ski that someday. Are there some good resources for, for people to explore that, that maybe haven't skied or haven't skied a lot, but would like to ski more that has information about equipment and, and things they need to do to uh, become better skiers? There, the the various magazines that cover um, skiing um, do a decent job sometimes at at uh, letting people know what where to go and and what to see and how to learn to be better skiers. Um, I uh, you know I I would recommend going directly to some of these ski areas. Um, if you have a ski area that you uh, are interested in going to you could you can give them a call and tell them you know here's here's my level of of knowledge and and here's what i'm looking for and 
a lot of times they can connect you with people who can um, tell you uh, what you need to know uh, as far as your uh, a possible trip goes, as far as what you should be working on before you get there. Um, if you are a more experienced skier and you want to go do something that's a little bit more uh, outside your uh, particular uh, um, If you're looking for a challenge. Yeah, if you're looking for a challenge, you could always... There are great guides out there. There are amazing guides in all these places all over the world. And I recommend, you know, calling guides and saying, this is what I'm looking to do. Um, you know, can you can you help me get to where I need to be so that I can go do this trip with you, go, go ski some of these uh, ski areas or some of these, some of this backcountry terrain with you. Is, is there, do you have any tips um, before I make this trip? They're an excellent resource and they are more than willing to help. Well, Gordy, what's, what's next for you? Do you have another uh, book or some more writing in the works or are you, uh, taking the winter off to hit the slopes <laughs> I, I don't have any books uh on the horizon i'm i'm back to working on magazine stories at the moment um and i yeah i plan to do a lot of skiing this year um uh hopefully we'll be able to organize some trips uh to go uh you know i have i've not uh because of the pandemic i've, I've not been able to really do any far-flung trips uh, uh, in, I guess, two years. So I'm hoping to, uh, you know, maybe get on an airplane and go ski something a little bit farther away from me. Are there a couple in the book that uh, that are calling your name? Yeah, I mean, that that trail at Engelberg, I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> the, the loud, that, that big, long powder descent i saw it I, I i i'm not joking when i tell you that i think about that trail at least once a week well gordy i uh, appreciate talking with you and and the book is absolutely phenomenal it's uh 100 slopes of a lifetime let me get the uh, subtitle in here too the world's ultimate ski and snowboard destinations by gordy May grow. Um, Gordy, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? Yeah, my website is just my first name and last name.com, so gordymegro.com. And I'm on social media at gordymegro, just my, my first and last name. Well, Gordy, thanks so much, and keep up the good work. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. The name of the book is, uh, again, 100 Slopes of a Lifetime, and it's um, from National Geographic and author Gordy Magro. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Hey, this is the unknown comic, 
And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to americanschismbook.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. 
More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Silk hat they found. 
Cause when they placed it on his head He began to dance around Thumpity thump thump Thumpity thump thump Look at Frosty go Thumpity thump thump Thumpity thump thump Over the hills of snow Oh the weather outside is frightful But the fire is so delightful And since we've no place to go Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow Oh and now's the show signs of stopping some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low. Let it snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. Let it blister and bluster and blow. Let it snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. Sun. 
Don't you know they hear sleigh bells in the snow? That wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program and great guests like the ones we had on today. Thanks to uh, Gordy Magro and uh, National Geographic talking about 100 uh, slopes of a lifetime. And uh, before that, we uh, talked with um, talked about global warming with... Uh, Stefan Stewart and immigration with uh, Susan Cohen. Good night, everybody. Variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show, and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.